Could we see John Brown this Sunday? Pat Shermer gave us a little bit of an insight. And the return of Ronald Darby, it is inching closer. What does it mean for the Broncos secondary? Plus, a crossover episode, a game preview with myself and your boy Q, host of Locked On Raiders. We chat about it, we break it down, and I obviously talk about it with my good friend Sarah Benjamin. We break all that out on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, and joined alongside my co-host, Sarah Bettinger. Both of us cover the Denver Broncos for the Lockdown NFL Network and Nine News. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. And thank you so much for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. Not to mention, you can watch us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on notifications. We're just about 80 subs away from 5K. We're going to do a jersey giveaway for Broncos country. But Sarah Bettinger, my man, it's great to see you as always. Look, we got uh, got some optimism heading into this Raiders game on Sunday. Look, John Brown is apparently involved in the game plan. Ronald Darby's returning, and there's just a lot right mm-hmm. now I think to be excited about. I know. It feels like the Broncos just had like some huge trade deadline acquisition or something like that. <laughs> like everybody, we just made this huge trade, and now we're going to go out and just kill it, be gangbusters against the Las Vegas Raiders. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see how they how they perform, how these new guys and how the you know the players who were supposed to be part of everything from the beginning, how they reacclimate themselves. You mentioned John Brown, Ronald Darby, and even potentially Mike Boone. We'll see what happens. But that's just speed on top of speed on top of speed. So I hope the Raiders are ready for a track meet. Inject it directly into our veins, the speed of the Denver Broncos against the speed of the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm super here for it. Well, how do you counter speed? More speed, right? Now, and look, I think the Broncos have some speed in the secondary. There's a lot right, right there. And, and look, Ronald Darby's a fast guy. We know that. And I think that's the added benefit. Obviously, faster than Kyle Fuller. So I think that there's a growing sense of optimism right now, Sarah, that, look, you're going to have Ronald Darby. He's going to probably get the start on Sunday. I think that Vic Fangio, just based on just the vibe we've gotten from the press conferences, I'd be shocked if it was Kyle Fuller still getting the, the start, you know, opposite of Ronald Darby. I think that if he's healthy, he had a great day of practice on Wednesday. He looked good. The medical staff has been monitoring him. He's burstful, so that's good. But we talked about the secondary. I, I wanted to pinpoint, too, because we continuously see Vic Fangio asked, I think, every week, the same thing is going to happen when they play the Raiders at the end of the year, too. What are your thoughts about Darren Waller? Like, can we ask a better question? Can Vic, Vic Fangio has been asked that same question a couple yes. times this week, dating back to last year. Here's the deal. The Broncos, I'm really intrigued, Sarah, to see who they match up on Waller because last year a couple times we saw Bryce Callahan in coverage against Waller. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. going to be the case this week, but certainly intriguing. It is, and you have to cover Darren Waller just like you would any other number one wide receiver. That's what he is. Even coming out of Georgia Tech, he was built a lot like Calvin Johnson. It's almost like something's in the water there at Georgia Tech. They got guys 6'3", like 6'4". You know, yeah, a little DT, little Calvin Johnson, uh, a number of other guys throughout the years that have that have been the same, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 225. 4-4 speed, big-time stuff. So it's it's one of those things where Darren Waller is a wide receiver one. I mean, of course, he's listed as a tight end, and he's considered among the tight ends, but we know that he can split out and play any position, and he can be a threat from anywhere. So I would think 
to me, maybe we get, since Ronald Darby is coming back healthy, maybe we get to see a little bit of what we talked about going into this season with a fully healthy secondary, a fully healthy defense for the most part. Maybe talking about a little Patrick Sertan matchup. I know Sertan has, you know, he's had his rookie moments uh, this season so far, but at the same time, he's also been pretty locked down on his side of the field, and he's been in great position on, on a play. I, I, I can't be the only one who thought back to the Michael Ojemudia play against the Pittsburgh Steelers when Chase Claypool um, got the ball broken up oh. in this game against Patrick Sertan. Yeah. So that's the difference that a, a first-round pick and an elite athlete makes. And, of course, all due respect to Michael Ojemudia, who got – you know, he got interfered with on that play. Let's be honest about it. But I'll be interested to circle it all back to see if we get to see a little bit of Patrick Sertan the second on Darren Waller in this game. That was my favorite play, too, I'd say, from Sunday. It was hip to hip, stride to stride. He phased in, deflected the pass. And I'm so glad they didn't call a penalty because usually a player like that, when you're on the road, Claypool is like trying to get the flag. And I was like, dude, that's great coverage. Like, what can you be mad about there? I know you're going to mm -hmm. lobby for a call as a receiver, but let's be real. That was a fantastic play by PS2. I have no, I have no worries about PS2. You know, to be honest with you, going back and watching him, yeah, he missed a couple of tackles. You want him to shore up on that, but coverage-wise, doing a little bit of everything that you ask for, whether it's zone, whether it's man, he's rallying, he's making plays, he's not giving up big plays. You love that, and you love to see the confidence there. This could be the week we see him get an interception, though, Sarah. I'm, I might put it in the waters now, my friend. But speaking of the secondary, let's just talk about Bryce Callahan here and I thought it was a great point brought up by one member of the Denver media who asked actually a great question about Bryce Callahan and where his level of play is at and Vic said look through five games he's played fantastic he's playing at an elite level to the point where he should be considered the best slot defender in the NFL and he says it's even crazy because when we had injuries, he actually had to slide over to cornerback, and he still played at a very high level. So he is doing it not just from the nickel and the slot. He's doing it on the outside. In my opinion, we've been saying this here on the podcast, Bryce Callahan deserves a paycheck. When you look at the state of the Broncos mm -hmm. secondary, it's in bright, in bright hands, bright future with uh, Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons back there. But at the other corner position, you have Ronald Darby for three years. That's going to be good, I think. But outside of that, Kyle Fuller on one-year deal. So far, that's not working out. You need to secure good corners. And I think that Bryce Callan has played himself into a contract extension. Not to mention, can we go back to the fact that when he initially signed, he had the injury, and then he restructured his deal to help the team. In my opinion, pay him back because he has earned it. Preach it. I mean, that's exactly right. It's spot on. And I think that the Broncos should seriously consider it. Of course, health is a consideration here. But we've seen, you know, Bryce Callahan, even dating back to his day, in Chicago he'll miss time he comes back he plays at an elite level in Denver he misses time he comes back plays at an elite level miss time again comes back playing at an elite level it's it's almost like a, the same old song the, the broken record type of deal with Callahan it, it seems that no matter what type of injury he's dealing with which it seems to be that same foot injury he's really been able to battle back and play exceptionally well despite having missed time, which a lot of guys don't. A lot of guys look rusty. A lot of guys look like they've been injured for a while, and you can kind of say, well, they need to get their feet underneath them, you know, no pun intended in this case. But I just I feel like Callahan has done everything that you would want, and, and especially as many times as Vic Fangio 
has mentioned the fact that you can never have too many corners. There's not enough corners for every team needs three, yada, yada. That would be a smart move by the Denver Broncos, even considering like right now we have no idea what Fangio's future holds with this team. I think Callahan has established uh, his own spot on the team regardless. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And the good thing so far this season, Callahan has been healthy. He stayed healthy. Hopefully that trend can continue. And if so, I think it'll pay off lucratively for him. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. I'm going to jump on with your boy Q, host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, as we preview Sunday's matchup between both of these teams and Powerfield at Mile High. What is the outlook right now with the Raiders locker room after the John Gruden situation? Q provides me an insight on a pulse from that locker room and what to expect on Sunday from the Raiders when they visit. We'll get that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's a good friends over there, BetOnline.ag. And week six of the NFL season is officially here. And BetOnline is the number one source for all things professional football and college football with an awesome slate of games at both levels this weekend. BetOnline is where you need to go for all the action this season. You can head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and when you use promo code LOCKDOWN, you're going to get a 50% deposit bonus on your first sign up today. BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered from football, boxing, basketball, hockey starting up again. The Colorado Avalanche opened up with a win over the Chicago Blackhawks and BetOnline has you covered if you're a Colorado sports fan. So head to the website right now. Check out all the action. BetOnline line where the game begins it is crossover thursday or friday across the locked on nfl network and this sunday we have a big time match of afc west division rivals the denver broncos the las vegas raiders now the rivalry is heated but the love that i got for this man here your boy q you know is a lot q is one of the best in raiders nation he is the best in raiders nation uh q great always to to join you to talk about these games look this one's in Denver. I'm looking forward to the one in Vegas. That way I can travel to Vegas and catch up with you, my man. But uh, how you doing? Man, doing well. I'm doing I'm doing better than the headlines say I'm doing. <laughs> you know, oh, there's, man. there's a lot going on with the silver and black. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're mass muscling through it here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast and on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So oh, this is what we do. You know, the Raiders, they got a tall task in front of them coming up this Sunday in Denver. But uh, I'm going to be all right. I'm holding it down and, and I'm going to make it happen. So here we are. Absolutely, my man. Well, hey, it's been a busy week and a half for the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, on Monday, the big news, John Gruden resigning. We all know why. We know the the fallout of that. And obviously, a very disappointing situation, I think, for everybody. I think for football fans, for Raiders fans, I think for players in general. So obviously, that's a big talking point. But I don't want that to detract necessarily from the game. So the question I have for you to start off today's crossover episode, Q, is kind of in relation to John Gruden a little bit, but more so for Sunday's game. We know that John Gruden's been the play caller here. Here for this Las Vegas Raiders offense that look in the first few weeks of the season that led to a 3-0 start, they were the number one offense in the NFL. Points, explosiveness. I mean, we factor in all the personnel that they have. That is obviously something that John Gruden was very good at. Now, the question is, with him no longer there, who takes over the play-calling responsibilities here for this Raiders team? And will it affect Derek Carr and the offense? Well, you know, that's a good question. And uh, Greg Olson, he's the offensive coordinator. And you're right. John Gruden's always called the plays. It's always been the John Gruden show. Like, there's no mistake in that. He's, he runs it all. But the good thing about Greg Olson is he's the quarterback coach as well. And he's been with Derek Carr even going back to his rookie year. So he has a lot of familiarity with Carr. And I think that he knows what buttons to push as far as Carr goes. Now, Olsen's always been involved in the offensive game plan. He's always in the room. He actually helped discover Darren Waller in Baltimore. So, I mean, he's got he's got a few skins on the wall. I think he's done a really good job as far as identifying what Derek does well and how this offense goes really well. But 
it's going to be different, you know, hearing a different play caller. Obviously, in Derek's ear, it's going to be a, a little different. And when he spoke with the media on Wednesday, he said that, hey, he's a familiar voice. I'm used to hearing him anyway. I've been around him long enough. Uh, he knows me very well. So I think that he believes the dynamic is going to work really well. But, you know, I mean, play calling, it's 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 repetition. You know, it's a rhythm that you got to get in. If you haven't done it for a while, it's kind of hard to just it's like driving a stick shift. You know, it's like you don't just go and jump in and drive a stick shift and think you know how to do it. You got to learn. You know, you got to work your way into it. So uh, it should be interesting to see if the Raiders are able to get off to a quick start. That's what I kind of think will take a little while because he hasn't done that play calling uh, in such a long time. So that that'll be one of the biggest aspects. But what I'm hearing is he's going to be calling plays from the booth. And I think that that makes a big difference in being on the sideline like John Gruden. So it's maybe a little bit of uh, good here and then bad there. Uh, I think it might lend to a, a, a slow start, but the Raiders have started slow every game this season. So that actually wouldn't be any kind of a change. Well, you know, it's crazy they start off slow and then they have these big explosive outbursts. Now, obviously, last week against the Bears was kind of kind of a disappointment. They just look kind of out of sync. And, I, you know, Q, I don't know if a lot of that had to do with the distraction as to what had surfaced on Thursday and Friday of last week. I mean, obviously, that is a huge issue. And not certain how, like, as me, if, if I was a player, how would I feel about maybe going to that locker room on Sunday? It just looked like they were kind of out of sorts. But now, I mean, looking at both these teams, the Broncos and the Raiders both started off 3-0. Both have lost the last two games, so it's kind of a story situation. Here we are, and here's the deal there. There's still the AFC West right now. The Kansas City Chiefs are at the bottom. That's nice for us to be kind of sitting in this position here. But the question I have for you next really pertains on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, I've been watching these guys. The defense looks much more improved this year than in years past. Yes, they're getting up some points, but you know what? I see a little bit more of an aggressive nature to them. But I was really interested to see that Damon Arnett and, and Trayvon Mullen, they went on I. IR, what does the cornerback situation look like right now for this Raiders team? And how might it maybe play into a, an advantage or maybe a disadvantage for them going up against guys like Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick and Noah Fan if they can utilize him in the passing game? Well, I'll tell you, man, the secondary's banged up. You you said it, man. Trayvon Mullen, that's a big loss. You know, he's going to be out at least two, two more games. Damon Arnett, he's been coming off the bench anyway. Uh, he's been a big, major disappointment so far as a first-round draft pick. Not going to lie, especially when you look at what's going on in Dallas and Trayvon Diggs is leading the league in interceptions. By the way, that was a second-round pick a year ago. So, yeah. just going to throw it out there. I'm not trying to start no mess, but I'm just going to say could have been, you know, wearing the silver and black. And, oh, by the way, they run the same scheme because Dan Quinn is just like Gus Bradley. They both come from that Seattle tree. But that's a whole nother conversation. I don't even want to start that one and get myself fired up. But uh, the secondary is banged up, man. So, you know, Amik Robertson has been holding it down on one side where Trayvon Mullins usually is. The thing about him is he's short. You know, and you mentioned those wide receivers, man. They got some size, you know, especially Cortland Sutton. He's got some size and speed. But Amik has done a pretty good job, uh, just been able to hold it down. So I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to get the start. He'll be in that position. Also, fifth-round pick, Nate Hobbs. Uh, he's been a nice little uh, addition to the team. He's a starting nickel right now for the Raiders, but he also has the ability to kick outside. So if Amik just happens to not be doing so well, I can see them saying, all right, go ahead, Nate, and go out there to the outside and then kick someone else on the inside. But uh, it's tough, man, when you have so many injuries and you have guys that are big uh, hits to your depth. You don't have it, it, it. It's hard to bounce back from that. But I do think that you'll see a lot of Amik Robertson. I think you'll see a lot of Nate Hobbs. And Nate Hobbs, for sure, has been a stud. And Amik has been playing pretty well. So it might not be as bad as it sounds. But, again, injuries, man, it's, it's, it's a battle in the NFL. You know that. 
Yeah, no, the Broncos banged up at wide receiver. It's frustrating to watch. Thankfully, you know, they have guys in the secondary on the defensive side of the ball that helps out there. But, uh, you know, the one question I wanted to ask you, Q, and I think Broncos country is really interested in this as well. What is the difference right now with this Raiders team so far here in 2021 in comparison to the last couple of years? Because when I look at them, it, it seems like they're a little bit more solidified than ever. There, there's not that many question marks in certain areas. I mean, they have an offense that has so many different guys contributing from, you know, Brian Edwards to Hunter Renfro, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller. I mean, there's getting guys, even Peyton Barber, when Josh Jacobs was banged up, yeah. was carrying the rock and running the ball really effectively against the Miami Dolphins. So what is the story right now? Obviously, outside of this week's headline with right. the Las Vegas Raiders. I'll tell you right now, the biggest storyline is that they all like each other. They all like each other a lot. They're all there. And that's something that they've been saying all offseason, all preseason, that they have a genuine love for each other. And I know that sounds kind of corny and cliche-ish, but it's a real deal thing. You know, you'll fight a little bit more for your brother next to you if that if you look at him as your brother next to you, you know, not just that guy. So yeah. uh, that's something that they have that they really do believe in, that they all have a genuine love. They like to hang out with each other when they're not uh, on the football field or at practice at the facility. That's gone a long way. And then on top of that, man, they just I think uh, these coaches, especially Gus Bradley, Ron Milas and Richard Smith, all these defensive coaches have really helped the guys on the defensive side of the ball kind of simplify what they're supposed to be doing and be able to just go out there and play fast. Just instead of thinking, just go, 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 which as we all know, it helps out guys, not a simple defense, but simple to be able to run it from a defensive side of, uh, of things as far as a player, where you're not thinking. So that's, that's been another big key as well. But ultimately, man, these guys just have a genuine love. They worked on their craft a lot during the off season, especially Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. They got bigger. Uh, they got faster. Edwards is healthy. Ruggs is bigger and stronger and, and they have the trust from Derek Carr. He's willing to throw the ball to him where last year he said, nah, I don't think he's going to make the play. I'm just going to check it down. Now he's throwing the ball. He's stretching it a little bit more and believing that Ruggs will come down with it or Edwards can make a tough play. He threw the ball last week in the triple covers. Now Edwards didn't make the cut the play <laughs> in the end zone, but he had his hands on the ball and it looked like he was coming down with the touchdown. And then the DB just made a good play at the last second or no Roquan Smith made a great play at the last second, but he's, he's taking chances with the ball when Derek Carr normally doesn't do that. Well, you know, like I said, the fight is something there. And Q, you know this as well from playing sports. You have to have that brotherhood. You have to have camaraderie yep. in that locker room. It's so important because when things get bad, if you don't have that, it, it's easy to divide the entire room into he versus he or this group versus this group. It's happened far too often in NFL locker rooms. But obviously a big test this weekend for the Las Vegas Raiders just from the standpoint of having to deal with all these distractions. Right. I, I'm eager to see how they respond. I know you are as well, and so is Raiders Nation. But Broncos country, Raiders Nation coming up here in just a moment. We're going to flip the script. Q's going to ask me a bunch of questions about the Denver Broncos. But first, let me tell you about Bill Bar, the sponsor of today's episode, Crossover Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Raiders. There's a good friends over there at Bill Bar. And ladies and gentlemen, Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. I don't have to tell you, they have a lot of great deals coming through, especially as they have a little bit of an overstock right now in their inventory. So there are things that are half priced right now that you can get at built.com, not to mention for a limited time only, you can get your hands and your taste buds around a built bar marshmallow churro puff. I tell you what, it's fantastic, best tasting. It's got the cinnamon flavor, it's got the chocolate, and it's got the marshmallow fluff. It is a smooth bite, like biting into a cloud. I love Built Bar because it is the best tasting protein bar, but I also love it because I can have it before a workout or after a workout because it's the healthiest protein bar on the market. It contains 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. And you can get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to Built.com using promo code LOCK15. It's going to get you 15% off your next order at Built.com. Once again, 
and promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off your next order at Built.com, the official protein bar of the Locked On Broncos podcast. And we're back here on the Locked On Raiders, Locked On Broncos podcast, crossover edition. Cody Work, my guy. I call him the Broncos, Adam Schefter. He's with us uh, break everything down. And uh, Cody, man, it's funny looking at the Broncos and the Raiders, both teams three and two, both teams on two game losing streaks. You know, both teams want to get to four wins. Uh, nobody wants to get to that third loss. So for the Broncos, what has been the difference in the three and zero start in the last two games where they lost? What has been your biggest takeaway why they're on this two game losing streak? Well, you know, they opened the season, the first three games, New York Giants, Jacksonville Jaguars, New York Jets, you know, player, you know, teams that are on their schedule that, you know, no excuse if they would have lost, everyone would have blown things up. But in, even in those games too, Q, the Broncos offense was rolling. They were doing some really good things. They were still struggling to run the football, but Teddy Bridgewater was very efficient as in, the, in the passing game. And then all of a sudden, you know, you play the Baltimore Ravens. They're super aggressive. You know this because week one, Monday night football, yeah. overtime thriller. They run a lot of cover zero. They love to blitz a lot. And if they can stop the run, they're going to lock up in the passing game. Well, Teddy Bridgewater gets knocked out of that in the second quarter right before halftime. Drew Locke comes in. The offense just is flat. So they took a loss in that game. And then against the Pittsburgh Steelers, it looks like they didn't even show up. They started that game so lethargic, and they couldn't get anything going until that fourth quarter where Teddy Bridgewater, Cortland Sutton, they made things interesting. Now, the last two weeks, there's been a little bit of concern about the Broncos in the secondary because a lot of teams, the Ravens specifically, and also the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're testing Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller has been kind of the weak link right now. This Broncos defense in that secondary, which is pretty strong, pretty stout. Patrick Sertan, he looks the part. He's made a couple mistakes here and there, but he's been very impressive. Kyle Fuller, the veteran guy, has been a surprise here, and he actually may get benched this week for Ronald Darby. So the, wow. the difference has been that, you know, obviously the, the level of competition with your opponents, I still think that the Jets defense is, is better than most people give it credit for. That's probably right. the only good thing they got going outside of Robert Sala right now. But outside of that, you know, they took care of business when they should have and I you know I don't think you can make any qualms about that just you know you play two good teams and everyone's like oh Pittsburgh's not a good team they're off to a rough start but still a pretty good football team on the defensive side of the ball and yeah. look is Big Ben starting to try to get in rhythm and Najee Harris the run game was starting to come together so that's where Denver really struggled and it leads us to this matchup this week you know this is a is a tough matchup and the Broncos and the Raiders they've kind of had these slugfest back and forth the last couple of years now last year the Broncos' first matchup against the Raiders, it was that road game. It was a yep. close first half. Jeff Heath had two interceptions. John yeah. Heath, would, he had two interceptions of Drew yeah. Locke. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the season finale, Jerry Judy, a 92-yard touchdown, a thriller. But then guess what? Same exact play call from Derek Carr and the Raiders to yeah. win the game. And this time around, they got the two-point conversion, and Shelby Harris wasn't there to deflect it. So these <laughs> games are always fun. And, and I think for each team, it's always a must-win. As According to the fan bases, they're like, every game against the Raiders is a must-win. I get that. But when we talk about what everything is at, you know, you could put it into perspective a little bit more. Yeah, no doubt. And AFC West games, uh, you, you always want the, the the team to win. You know what I mean? You never want to lose that game. And this is going to be a tough one right here. Uh, I'm telling you right now, at the beginning of the season, I didn't think it was going to be the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos, and then the Chiefs in last. I mean, I just <laughs> I didn't see that coming. But it's early in the season. That's where we are right now. You know, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater, and I've never been a big Teddy guy. Just not. I, I just thought he was good. Never thought he was great. Something has clicked for him in Denver, though. The team seems to be rallying around him. They really love his leadership. He's just getting it done there in Denver. I, th I know he only has one interception so far on the season, and that was last week, you know, late in the game, trying to make something happen. What has been the deal with Teddy Bridgewater? Why has he done so well and adapted to the Denver Broncos? 
Well, the reason he was handed the keys to the offense is his ability to lead, and he's making smarter decisions with the football. You know, to open up the season queue, he had more passes downfield. I mean, he, I think he and Derek Carr were the top two in the league right. with passes downfield through the first four weeks of the NFL season. Uh, you know, so you're seeing that, and everyone's like, oh, Teddy's not a guy that's going to take deep shots. He's going to take those chances, but the Broncos, they've spread the ball out. Week one, you had it going to uh, Noah Fant a little bit. Jerry Judy had six catches before he went down with his sprained ankle that you know, hopefully he'll be back in the next couple of weeks from week two. You go to Cortland Sutton, week three, Tim Patrick, week four, you know, against the Baltimore Ravens. You really couldn't get anything going on the offense side. That's where you got Noah Fant involved. Last week it was Cortland Sutton really kind of being that big contributor, but Denver has been hurting without Jerry Judy and KJ Hammer. Obviously, KJ's out for the entire season. But Teddy is smart. He knows where he's going with the football. And you know what? If if it's a third and long situation, he's not going to throw four verts. He's going to throw the check down. He's going to try to get the team closer to field goal range, which is a concept of football. But he's got this tendency. And look, Broncos fans, they're looking at that and they're saying, oh, he's just a check down artist. I understand that. You know, I understand the narrative of that, but you have to take what the defense gives you sometimes. But he's been in command of the offense, uh, you know, really well. Now the question is, can he maintain that? I think that's what Broncos country is really trying to find out. But I think we've all learned here, Q, so far through the season, quarterback's still a a very evident need for the Broncos in the future because I don't know if Teddy's going to be the guy after this year, but he's doing a good job, I think, so far. Right. And that's what matters right now. You know, again, he might not be the guy for the future, but he's the guy right now. And he's done a really good job there in Denver. I really got to give him props on that. I got to ask you about the run game, man. Of course, you got Melvin Gordon. He's there. But I'm really intrigued by Javante Williams. He's a guy who doesn't get a lot of touches. But man, when he touches the ball, he does some big things with it. Do you expect him to get some more burned in these games or is it just a seven to eight touch a game type situation for him? Well, it's frustrating. The run game right now, Q, for the Broncos is the most frustrating thing to watch because they just they can't run it or they go away from it. And when they do run the football, it's on first down and second down, which leads third and long or third and right. medium. So Pat Shermer's play calling has been a huge issue for Broncos fans here. But really, the run game has kind of struggled as well because teams are stacking the box and they're really saying, hey, we want to dare Teddy Bridgewater to beat us with his arm. And in the first three weeks, he did just that. But even against teams like Jacksonville or even the Jets, the Broncos had not as much success running the football they had, didn't have much success against the Baltimore Ravens outside of Javante Williams big time run where he won the angry run of the week from Kyle <laughs> Brown of the NFL Network he yeah. took home the scepter uh, but outside of that he's always had a couple of big plays now last week against the Steelers they had no momentum they ran a little bit of a toss play to him and he got down to the two yard line and you know he was super excited it energized the team he spiked the ball they flagged him it was dumb in my opinion but uh he, He's the energizer bunny right now. Melvin Gordon is banged up. He's dealing with a uh, bunch of different injuries, but he's expected to play on Sunday. It's not expected to limit him, but Javante, you can tell, definitely has some of the bigger flashes so far as a rusher. Yeah, no, he has. I, I've, I've seen it. I'm thinking, man, that dude's got some wiggle. I know he's small, though. He's a smaller dude, but, I mean, <laughs> I just say let him run, man. Let him Give him the rock and let him run. I mean, how many carries a game do you think he can get or you think he should get? I think you should get at least 17 carries a game, in my opinion. Look, if you have two backs that you feel like you can run the football with, you can go 2017. You can go 15-15 with each of those guys. I think Denver's identity offensively, though, Q, I think it should be to try to run the ball. They haven't been able to do it, but that's not an excuse to not try. Look at the Raiders. Their identity for a lot of times in the last couple of years was to run the football and then make some big plays through the air, which they've been able to do. It's so important, and it helps your defense out because if you're passing and the clock stops and you're going off the field, you're three and out, it right. puts your defense in, in very unprecarious situations, and it's not good. It's not sustainable. Denver's got to do it, and I think Javante Williams is the perfect energizer bunny for that. 
you know, it's funny. I've been preaching the same thing because the Raiders run game hasn't been there either. And I'm just like, they got to get it established. At some point, you've got to get it established, man, because you're going to do everything you just said in the passing game. Incompletions mean the clock stop. And there's that makes your defense put them in a bad situation. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Now, when Teddy drops back to drop, throw the ball, he's been successful. But, man, he's been under a lot of pressure. He's taken a lot of sacks so Ooh. far this season. Uh, how concerned are you with that leaky offensive line, knowing that Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby and Darius Phylon and cats like that are coming to town? You know, it, it is a little bit of a concern, too, because Teddy, when he has been dropping back as a passer, he's been holding on to the football, you know, pretty long. He's been able to improvise out of plays, not like Patrick Mahomes can, but he's been able to improvise, step up or step out and make a guy miss and then deliver a strike. But for the most part, it's been a little bit of a concern and it's not necessarily anything outside of, you know, Teddy's holding the ball a little too long at times. And then the offensive line has just been on the interior position. It's been a little bit of a turnstile. Right guard Graham Glasgow hasn't had a lot of consistency of playing so far this year. He played against the New York Giants, and then he had a regular heartbeat during the game. So he had to miss the next week, and then he had to miss the next week, all while dealing with a knee injury. So he hasn't really been solidified. So you've had a young guy, Natani Muti, there. And then a couple weeks ago, you had... Quinn Miners, the rookie guy, the gut, he started at left guard because Dalton Reisner hurt his foot, his ankle, and was in a walking boot. So you had a lot of situations there where your interior offensive line is three young guys. You had a rookie and you had two second-year players there. I think a lot of teams tried to exploit that. And then obviously you have a veteran guy, Bobby Massey, and you have Garrett Bowles. Those guys have done fine, in my opinion. Bobby Massey's given up a couple plays. Garrett's given up a couple plays. But the offensive line, it just seems like there's a lot of miscommunication errors, Q. It's something that can be fixed, but how long will it take? You can't afford it this week against Crosby and Ngakwe that are just absolute forces off the edge. I'll tell you right now, man, it almost sounds like we're talking about the same team. I mean, the Raiders <laughs> offensive line has been struggling. Their run game has been struggling. You know, the quarterback play has been consistent and good, and that's really what's been getting it done. I mean, I, I swear we're almost talking about the same teams. And <laughs> defensively, of course, you know, Von Miller's the dude. Uh, how come the 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 pass rush hasn't been quite as effective? Is it just Bradley Chubb being out? Is it more attention to Von Miller? Is it asking someone else to step up that's not ready? It just hasn't been what it's supposed to be or what it was expected to be. Why is that? Well, it got off to a hot start with Von Miller. Von's been great, but now he's facing more double teams. Bradley Chubb against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He came back from an ankle that was bothering him. He re-aggravated it, so he had a surgery to clean out a bone spur. He's on IR. Hopefully, he'll be back before you know the, the start of the second half of the season, maybe right. week 11. That's probably the expectation for him. Malik Reed has done well, but the Broncos, it was really weird because against the Baltimore Ravens, they didn't blitz. So they'd send their edge rushers, but they would tell them to keep contained. They wouldn't really send them, okay, go get Lamar, because if you collapse that pocket and we know Lamar's going to run it to the outside so the Broncos went with a lot of cover zero how do you stop that but you know you're playing the edge and you're squeezing it down but you can't do that against teams like the Ravens but then you kind of find yourself in that position against the Pittsburgh Steelers they should have blitzed a lot more and I think a lot of that too Q is Vic Fangio he's known for a lot of four-man pass rushes and blitzes and things like that but got to blitz inside backers more the Broncos defense has taken a drop Ever since inside linebacker Josie Jewell went down with an injury against the Jaguars in week two, you have a young guy in Justin Sternado. Technically, this is his second year, but it's his rookie year because he didn't play his rookie year because he had season-ending hand surgery and training camp. So you're looking at a lot of young guys getting playing time right now, and they're making mistakes along the way. Alexander Johnson's been great, but they're just not blitzing enough, in my opinion. So you're having your cover guys cover for a long time. And when you got Kyle Fuller back there, who's just getting beaten and his dis eye discipline's not there. He's losing yeah. out on technique, fundamental errors. It's a little bit of a problem. It's becoming a little concerning for Broncos fans, especially this week against the Raiders who go three by one. They'll go quads. They'll do all this stuff. Right. So it's a little uneasy right now, I think, for Broncos fans on that subject. 
Yeah, no doubt. And that's really my final question for you is, you know, Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro. Who gets the matchup when it comes to Darren Waller? Is that a Justin Simmons thing? Is that a Patrick Sertan thing? Is that Kyle Fuller thing? I mean, who, who goes and tries to get the guy who makes everything go? You know, this is a tough one, right? Because the Broncos, they obviously, they went round one with Patrick Sertan. I don't know if Vic Fangio wants to put a rookie. Look, and he's played really well. I've been very impressed with him. Yeah. You might as well test him out on a couple of plays. and Look, cause that's, that's probably about as good as it's going to get going against a guy like that. He's the best guy. In my opinion, he's the best receiver, tight end guy in the league. You can make the argument the same thing with Travis Kelsey. But what Darren Waller does is so special with his size, how big he is, and how fast he can run. Patrick right. Sertan is probably the best athlete to match up with that. Uh, we could see Bryce Callahan, though, but I would rather see Bryce Callahan focused inside the slot and the nickel against Hunter Renfrew following him around or even Henry Ruggs but the other guy whether it be Ronald Darby or Kyle Fuller they have to step up because Derek Carr is going to test them they, they're going to go at 23 if he's out there on the field they're going to go at a, you know a young guy if he's not out there and you see Ronald Darby he's making his return since a you know week one he had a hamstring injury so they're going to test it you know what they're going to get rugs on the outside they're going to run a go route they want to see if he can keep up with that and I you know I am excited to see if that's the case we'll see if he actually plays though yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. It really is. And I know I said that was my last question, but I did want to ask you real quick. Uh, have you got any feedback from any of the players? I know they're not going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we're underestimating the Raiders. But with all the stuff going on with the Raiders, with all the distractions going on with the Raiders, do you get any sense that the players may think that they're so like mentally beat up this week that this game might be a little bit easier than it normally is? No, look, they're looking at the situation as if it's affecting them because obviously the issue of, of racism and the systemic racism that is occurring. And look, you know, John Gruden obviously is being held accountable, but Q, you probably feel the same way. I know I'm very vocal about this. John Gruden is just one part of the puzzle when there is a huge issue out there right. of rich white owners that have a lot of control. And obviously that, I think that's an issue. There's a bigger thing in there. Obviously 650,000 emails. You're going to find out a lot about a lot of people in powerful right. positions there. Uh, but they, they've really approached this issue too, because it's been brought up and the Broncos practiced on Wednesday for the first time this week. And they were asked about it. Justin Simmons says, look, this is, this is something that, we all shouldn't have to worry about as players. We come here every day. We, you know, we, we're brothers. We're, we have this camaraderie inside the locker room. And then you just always wonder if there's always some sort of detractor from that. And so yeah. I think that they're very empathetic of the situation that's going on with the Raiders. I don't think they're going to overlook them. And I know that the Broncos sitting at three and two, losing two straight, they're not going to overlook anybody. I felt like they overlooked the Steelers a little bit last week and it came back to bottom in the tail, but it's going to be a tough matchup, I think, for both teams. Q, I'm excited. It's always a slugfest, but the best part is always getting to share this airtime with you, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, Raider fans enjoy it when you're on the show, so uh, that's awesome because it's very rare that uh, Raider fans like anything Denver Broncos, and I know <laughs> it's very rare that Denver Broncos like anything Raiders. So uh, it's all good when we get together and have a little, uh, little fun on the crossover edition. I appreciate you. Absolutely, bro. Appreciate you as well. And look, I'm going to be in Denver for this game on Sunday. So I will, uh, I'll say hi to Raiders fans if they want it. You know, obviously, if keep it civil, but, you know, I think Broncos country, Raiders nation, you know, at the end of the day, they hate each other on the game. But, you know, this is what brings people together football in stadiums. Right. It's just great that you're going to have 76,000 roaring fans of all colors wearing different jerseys, you know, cheering for their teams respectively. Q, that's what it's all about, my man. But I can't wait to make that trip over to Vegas to see you, right. my friend. Yeah, man, exactly. I was going to come to Denver, but I couldn't make the trip. We had too much going on, but 
when you come to Vegas, man, it's on and popping. So uh, let's hurry up and make that happen. <laughs> I got you, my man. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Broncos country, Raiders nation, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Lockdown Broncos, Locked On Raiders. Thank you for making these podcasts your first listen of the day. We appreciate you so much. And obviously, we'll have you covered respectively on our own podcast, post-game reports, following the game on Sunday. I'm Cody Rourke, speaking for my good friend Q. We'll see you next time.